The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. There's a lighthouse on the hillside that overlooks life's sea. When I'm tossed, it sends out a light that I might see. And the light that shines in darkness now will safely lead us o'er. If it wasn't for the lighthouse, my ship would sail no more. I'll be going through a few verses this morning. Um, as we go down the road here and uh, hopefully you'll walk away and leave here saying God has come. I appreciate what our, what uh, Dr. Crabb said this morning in Sunday school class. Uh, whatever happens, God needs to come. I don't want this to be a work of man. If it is, it'll be shallow and short-lived. If it is a work of God this morning, it'll be long-term. It'll be eternal in its effect on the people who hear it. If you come here with a hard heart this morning and, and you, you don't want to get anything out of the service, you'll probably succeed in doing that. You'll leave here not with anything other than what you came with. Um, you have If you come here saying, God, I would like something from heaven today through this, this uh, earthen vessel called Bill Lytell that God's placed here. Uh, through this guy, I don't even like him, but would you give me something? And uh, God will give you something. He'll come through the word. Because that's what we're going to preach here at the gospel. We preach the word of God. We believe in the Bible is the very word of God. I'm going to read verses 8 through 12 of Hebrews chapter 1. But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of thy kingdom. Now that's a pretty strong verse on the deity of Christ. Otherwise, that would be blasphemy. If Jesus indeed is not God, uh, deity, then he that would be blasphemy. And thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hath laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thy hands. And they shall perish. Notice the next three words. But thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth the garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. The next phrase, of course, is what I want to emphasize, but thou art the same, thy years shall not fail. We live in a fluid environment. I mean, change is in the air. I am. I look in the mirror and can't believe what I see. How about you, Tom? You can't believe what you see. Uh, I told my wife the other day. I looked at her. You know, I, I got serious with her and got her got across from her in a chair. And I said, "I want you, you know, look at each other eyeball to eyeball." You know, we don't do that much anymore. We probably should. But I looked at her and I said, "There, that eighteen-year-old that you met years ago is here. 
she looked at me. I said, that 18-year-old that you met years ago is here. He is a prisoner in this body. Change is everywhere. Yet the fundamentals remain the same. Uh, change can be good, by the way. Uh, it can be good. Changing from a bad habit to a good habit is, is good change. Changing from not bathing to bathing is a good, is a good change, especially if you're sitting beside me or, or that. Changing from not reading your Bible to be reading your Bible, that's a, a good change. Change uh, can be good, but it also can be bad. And, and in this world, change often leads in and to the worst or in a bad direction. But we live with change. Our grandparents come and go. I remember when my grandparents died on both sides. Our parents come and go. My parents have died on both sides, uh, both my wife's side and my side. Our kids come and go. They were in the house. No, they're not in the house. Uh, they, they wanted to talk to me and be He, I mean, I have one child. But I mean, you know, things change. Our money comes and goes. I'm going to say amen to that. Our country comes and goes. Uh, we come and go. Our lives are in the middle of flux in many areas. But there's something stable in this universe that never changes. And that is Jesus Christ. God's Son. Hebrews chapter 13. You can turn to this if you like or not or mark it down. It's maybe the uh, most famous place in the New Testament where it says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Acts chapter 1, verse 11, Jesus is ascending back to heaven from whence he came. The angel uh, told those folks who were watching that he says, uh, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, not another one, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. In Malachi, or for you Italians, Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, the sons of Jacob are not consumed. Psalm 102, 27 says, But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 2, it says, But the mountains were brought forth, or ever, uh, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever has formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. So, so let's just try to put this into some logic now. Uh, whatever he was, he is. And whatever he is, he will be. Whatever he was, he is. And whatever he is, he will be. Some of you were looking at me a little scary. You get it? It's interesting that God Almighty is described in the book of Revelation, and he that was, which is, and is to come. That's the description of Jesus Christ. 
the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he was, he is, and what he is, he will be. What comfort we can reap in that simple thought this morning. I think of John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Many of you know your Bible, know the woman at the well. Jesus comes for a drink of water, and this Samaritan woman, and usually a Jew wouldn't even talk to a Samaritan woman, and, and typically a male Jew wouldn't even talk to a strange a woman that he didn't know. Uh, but this woman come, Jesus said, uh, uh, I want some water. And, and, uh, and, and the story goes on, and this woman, uh, uh, you know, starts having a conversation back and forth on that. And, and uh, uh, he, begins to, he begins to convict her of who she is and her sin because she tries to come up with some typical religious. How many people block the plan of salvation with a religious argument? Well, I went to church one time, and they didn't treat me right or I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Lutheran, or I'm a Presbyterian. Listen, when I ask you if you die where you're going to spend eternity, I'm not asking you for denomination. I'm asking you, do you and have you, know, have you known and have you asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior? Are you born from heaven? Are you born from above? Do you know Christ? Whom to know is life everlasting. Well, the old girl that the well there was forgiven of all her sins. You say, well, Brother Bill, that's nice. No, 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 I want you to notice something. She had had five husbands. Now, we're talking about day. today. Today, if a woman, now, if a woman is divorced, has five husbands, in other words, you've been married and divorced five times, that's even big for us. As, as crazy as we are in our country, even five marriages failed is big. But it was worse than that. She was living with the sixth guy. I guess she just gave up on marriage after five times. She just, and, and I suppose, I hope she was smart enough not to blame all those five guys. And finally, maybe after the fifth one, looked inward and said, maybe it's me. New thought. But Jesus brings out that she's had five husbands, and the, and the man she's now living with is not her husband. Now, do you understand in the culture of the day, that would be unbelievable that she would have, first of all, had five divorces, and then secondly, she'd be living with them. It's not like today where there's millions and millions of couples living together uh, in immorality. But no, back then, there was a much higher standard overall in their society uh, for morality. Yet this woman, this so this woman was some... Um, of the worst of the bad. And Jesus forgave that woman of all her sin, and she got saved. And John chapter 4, verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that I ever did. Well, she exaggerated a little bit. He didn't tell her all that she ever did, but he did tell her that you had five husbands. Nobody would know that, but God, I mean, right away he proved to her that this is not just your average person talking to you. She trusted him as, as the Messiah, and she got saved. He did it then. He can do it today. Why? Because Jesus is the same today. What he was, he is, and what he is, he will be. Our God is as strong today to save uh, a people that have been divorced five times and are living in their sixth uh, uh, situation, living together in the midst of immorality. People can still get saved like that today. Why? Because they got saved like that then. What he was, he is, and they can get saved like that today. God has not changed. Jesus Christ has not changed. He can save people. Well, she went around the Bible. 
he made her, uh, Jesus so affected her that she was one of the first women soul winners in the New Testament. Uh, she told the whole town about Jesus. And by the way, some of you women are capable of doing that. Soak in a little bit. I think of the adulterous woman, as she's called in John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. This woman caught in the very act of adultery. I mean, she was a cheater. Uh, she was disloyal. She had broken her vows. That old whorish woman was forgiven all her wicked betrayal back then. Let's read in John chapter 8, verse 10 through 11. When Jesus had lifted him up, lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now because he was God, by the grace of God, he sensed in her a, a repentant spirit and and, and forgave her her sin. Had she been arrogant, I'm sure he wouldn't have done that. Had she been uh, willing to continue in that lifestyle, I'm sure he wouldn't have done that. It would have been inconsistent with who he was. But that woman had a sense of repentance. And because she had a sense of repentance, he did not condemn her either. And, and Jesus can do the same thing today. He can save an old whorish, cheater, immoral, unfaithful, disloyal person and make them a loyal, honest uh, a faithful soul of, uh, and have fidelity to their maid? Why? Because he did it then. If Jesus did it then, and he's the same today, he can do it today, amen? And by the way, he can do it in the future. Why? Same Jesus. Same Jesus. If he could forgive, that's why those stories are in the Bible. That's why that woman at the well is in the Bible, to encourage a sinner that's out there and says, I've, I've had women tell me I'm, I'm too dirty I'm too wicked. I've gone too far. Jesus can't save me. And brother, I can take them back to those stories, and I can take them back to the woman at the well, and I can take her back to the uh, adulterous woman in John chapter 8. And I said, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he could save that old whorish woman back then, he could save that old ungodly woman back then, he's still the same today, and he can save you today. I think of the thief on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 41 43. I think that old thief, uh, you know the story. Jesus saved that old thief. One of those thieves got saved. I mean, Jesus saved that old thief on the cross uh, right on the very edge of eternity. He is nailed up on a Roman cross of execution. He's not coming down, he's going to die. He was condemned. He was a public criminal. He didn't get baptized. He didn't take communion. He didn't get the last rites. He didn't get the first rites. He didn't get church membership. Uh, uh, there was no history, as far as we know, of belief. Even earlier in the day, he was, he was uh, casting railings at the Lord Jesus with the other thief as people were coming by mocking Christ on the cross. And Jesus saved this old sinner based on just a mustard seed of faith. I went over to Israel, and I said, show me a mustard seed. And they, they put a bunch of things that were as small as a grain of sand in my hand. 
that is the size of a mustard seed. It's like a grain of sand, literally a grain of sand, small little seed. Yet out of that seed grows a great tree. It's a tree that grows out of that thing. And I thought, man, if I only have to have a faith of a mustard seed to move mountains, that, that means it's possible by the grace of God uh, that he could move mountains through me. Why? Because he did it then. He's the same today, and he can do it today. If God can save an old thief on the cross, right on the verge of dying for the crimes which he committed, which he was worthy of death. By the way, he didn't pray the official prayer. I mean, he didn't go through the four points of the gospel. He didn't pray this official prayer that, that we, we have sometimes. And he did not say the right things. He did not use the right words. He did not use the word faith. He did not use the word repentance. Uh, he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I'm going to say that's puny at best. If somebody come up here and says, I want to get saved, and they say, and they say they lift their head up towards heaven and say, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. I'd say, oh, that ain't good enough, man. You are going to split hell wide open with that prayer. You got to pray. You got to get. You got to have forty-five minutes of training, understand the full major doctrines of the Bible. You got to be run through a six-week class, and then and tested a couple times, and then sign this piece of paper, and then just maybe you're going to go to heaven. No, no. I like God. I like the way God does stuff. I like the way He just goes over all of that stuff. And he takes that old boy in the cross, which came to himself as he was hanging there, as he heard, by the way, heard some of the seven kisses of Calvary come from the very side. Let me say this, the crucifixion was so powerful, the Spirit of God was so over that place that even that old hardened centurion said, surely this must be the Son of God. If you run into Jesus today, you can get saved just like that old thief got saved. You can get saved out on the street. You can get saved. You can get saved in your house. You can get saved in your car. There's no, listen, if he can get saved being crucified on a, on a hill called Golgotha, you can get saved anywhere. Why? Because Jesus Christ changes not. And he saved that old thief on the cross the way he was. Coming to Jesus without any formalities of any kind. And by the way, he never got baptized. He never took communion. He never swore certain allegiance to a creed. He just died shortly after that. After he came by and broke his legs and he finally suffocated and died. And Jesus said to him, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Ooh, doggies. I have hope that if Jesus Christ can save an old sinner like that, he can save me. And he can save you. Why? Because he's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. The publican, I think Jesus told us a case of where a, some old, a publican is a tax collector. He, he was an, he's an IRS guy, but he's worse than the IRS, well, maybe. He may be worse than IRS guys of today even because they, a lot of times they, they had the power to extort. Uh, any money they collected above what they were asked to collect, they kept. Imagine giving the IRS guy that kind of power. It's similar to going to an IRS audit today. If they can collect some money, it benefits them. 
So they're going for anything. So these guys were hated by everybody. They were hated by all the, all the people they oppressed. Why? They extorted money out of people. Jesus said this old publican came into the temple. Let me read it. Luke chapter 18, verse 13, 14. He said, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. The word justified means declared not guilty. Rather than the other, which was a Pharisee that came in there and said how good he was, for everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbled himself shall be exalted. I have hope. Because that was true then, this old publican wouldn't much just lift his head towards heaven and he was in a spirit of repentance. And if you'll come to God and you'll humble yourself in your spirit and quit lifting yourself up and quit justifying yourself and quit trying to say you've done enough good works, bad works, and they're going to be way like this, and you realize that you're a sinner unable to save yourself by any amount of good works, and you'll just believe Jesus Christ in the words of the Bible, and you'll come to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, this morning. I know he can save you. Why? Because he saved him then. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I have hope that if I go out there tomorrow or the next day or the day after that and tell somebody about Jesus Christ and he has saving power, I have confidence that Jesus Christ has never come up against a sinner that's too bad to save. That Jesus Christ can save you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if you have a repentant spirit before him and humble yourself, believing Jesus Christ is indeed the one that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day. You say, God, and you may say it differently than what I want you to say it, but if your heart meets with God's heart and you're, you recognize who Jesus is, he can save you like you saved that old thief on the cross. He can save you like he saved that old publican that came into the temple. He can save you like he saved that old uh, woman at the well, Samaritan woman at the well with five divorces and living with a guy. He can save you like that adulterous woman in, in John 8 where caught in a very act of adultery, cheating on her husband. He can save you if you'll come to him. How do I know that? Because he did before. He did before. He can do it again. I love it. I love it. I like the fact that God saved in the Bible. He saved a mean-spirited, judgmental, self-righteous, religious leader who murdered people for following Jesus. Now, if God can save a mean-spirited, judgmental, self-righteous, religious leader who murdered people for following Jesus, he can save you this morning. Through, though, uh, though this person was persecuting and fighting against God himself, yet the Apostle Paul was saved. Why is that in the Bible? So that you and I have hope, that's why. If Apostle Paul can get saved, brother, anybody can get saved if they'll come to Jesus. Why? He did it in the past. And what he was, he is. And what he is, he will be. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ will save you. And by the way, not only did he save the Apostle Paul, he empowered the Apostle Paul. 
It gives me hope. I'm a nobody. I'm old junkyard dog. I don't have much of a pedigree or a heritage. If there was, if there was reincarnation, I was a bum before. And I'm going to tell you that there isn't any reincarnation. I always get a kick out of reincarnation. Everybody was a prince. They were royalty. They were the queen of Egypt. Not me. Brother, God can save us. I like what Paul said. He said in Ephesians, Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Paul knew who he was. He was less than the least. If God can take the less of the least, or the least of the less, whichever way you want to do it, he can raise you up. I remember when God called me into the ministry, I said, Lord, somebody else, surely it's not me. Surely I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not this, I'm not that. I had a whole laundry list of reasons why it had to be a mistake. But then I got thinking, with God, all things are possible, right? You may be sitting here and God's tugging on your heart to do something for him. You say, oh, not me. I'm not good at that. I'm not good with people. I don't speak well in front of folks. All you're doing is saying God isn't the way he was. Somehow God's weaker today than he was. Well, we live in a time when we somehow we diminish the power of God and think, well, back then big things happened, but not now. Yes, now big things happen. The God I serve is the same God that Elijah served. The God I serve is the same God Elisha served. The God I serve is the same God Moses served. The God I serve is the same God the Apostle Paul served. His arm is not short that it cannot save. We should be encouraged. There's no situation is too big for God. Our country's in a mess. I mean, we got, we, got, we got division deeper than they had before the Civil War. But brother, there is a God in heaven. If, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God's able to do that. Do you believe it? Why do I know he's able? He did it in the past. Nineveh, I'm thinking of Jonah. The greatest revival ever happened. Under an eight-word eight word sermon, preacher. Eight-word sermon. Eight-word sermon. He had no compassion. Jonah didn't want them to be saved. He preached it with a, a crummy attitude. He didn't want him to be saved. He was hoping God destroyed him. When God saved him, he got mad at God about the whole thing. He said, didn't I tell you back over then? You were, didn't I say that you were a merciful God and that you'd forgive iniquity if they'd repent? I didn't want to come because these are the enemies of Israel. Brother, if God can save a whole nation from the top down, the Bible says they put sackcloth even on their animals. If God will do something like that among the heathen, cannot he still do that today? I say he can. Because he was, he did it in the past, he, and he's, he's the same today as he was, so if he did it in the past, he can still do it today, and he can still do it in the future. Some of you young people get around us old folks. Some of us old folks get cynical. I mean, everything was better yesterday. Everything was better in the old days. Everything was better in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And I, I will say fishing was better. But, but everything, everything was better. Oh, today's the day, brother. 
This is your moment to shine. This is your destiny to live. I like old Esther. They said, Esther, don't you know that you were born for such a time as this? God's still able to come up under you. God's still able to empower you. God's still able to cause great revival. God's still able to humble this nation. There was some hopeful news I heard this week. Some of the uh, liberal Democrats said that if Trump won the election, they were going to move to Canada. That was hopeful. God took an old cussing. There's hope for me. I come from a foul mouth lineage. I come from a foul mouthed group of people. And 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 it's 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 uh don't get me mad. Why it's enough to make a preacher cuss. I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ can take a cussing, denying coward and convert him to one of the greatest preachers of all time. He did Peter. He did Peter. How do I know he can do it? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He took a reluctant prophet, empowered him to have the greatest revival of all time, Jonah. He took the son of thunder, son of thunder. These are the boys that said, when, when, he, when Jesus came through Samaria and they didn't believe him, they said, let's call fire down from heaven and fry them. Whoa, now wait a minute. Jesus, no, that's, you're not of the right spirit here. I don't come here to destroy men's lives. He said, I'm here now to convert them, to save them. He can take an old son of thunder and make him an apostle of love, John. Turn him completely around, apostle of love. If he can do that to John, he can do it to you. You say, well, I'm just of a, of a foul temperament. And some people around you may say, amen. Your brother God can take a foul temperament, somebody with anger ridden, and they can make him a sweet and tender soul that wants to save people to where your nickname is, an apostle of love. He took a Sunday school teacher, just a Sunday school teacher, a lowly, a lowly Sunday school teacher. And reached over a million souls for Christ that walked out and got saved under D.L. Moody. He took a young kid preacher, a, a nobody, in a snowy, stormy night in England and made him the prince of preachers, still the most read preacher in English, C.H. Spurgeon. He took a little gypsy kid, lost in the multitudes, despised by the world, to win hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. His name was Gypsy Smith. He took a man with limited skills, no money, almost no help, and reached China through Inland China Missions, Hudson Taylor. He took an obscure American who lost everything, his wife, his children, his health, lost everything to reach Burma for Christ. But he didn't quit. He wouldn't quit. You were going to have to shoot him first known as the first American missionary, Adoniram Judson. He took a shoe cobbler. How long have you thought about that? Shoe cobbler. They would just throw our shoes away. He took a shoe cobbler, self-educated, unlettered, unknown in a little village in England, 
to give India their first Bible, setting up Bible colleges, ending the pagan sacrifice of babies into the river of William Carey. Time would fail to mention the five men, the five young men in Ecuador who gave their lives to the Aka Indians. And from that, how many people decided after their sacrifice, I want to be a missionary, I want to do something for God. Let me say, we serve a God that does not have one little limitation this morning. Sometimes we old boys want to make out like God was or has been. But let me tell you, the Bible says He was, He is, and He always shall be. There may be all kinds of crazy inconsistencies and fluid fluid and flux in this world, but there's one thing you can hang on to, and that's God, Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the changeless Christ. He's still powerful. He's still the creator of all that is. He's still the giver of life. He's still the rock of our salvation. He's still our high tower. He's still the reality of the universe. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ the same. Are you longing for something permanent in your life? You've had people change. You've had uh, policies change. You've had laws change. You've had things changing all around you. Would you like something stable in your life? One beautiful thing is, is you can place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and become his child and 50 years down the road, you're serving the same Jesus. Not one that evolves, not one that moves, not, one, not progressive revelation, the same God, the same creator, Jesus Christ. Oh, God longs for your love. You know, he said to Peter, lovest thou me more than these? We're talking about God. We're talking about the one who made everything. And even Peter made the fish made the fire, made everything. He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He was longing to hear Peter say, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Even though Peter kind of answered back with a weak answer, you know, Lord, I'm fond of you, you know, because Peter had just denied him with cussing and swearing not long before that. Publicly, shaming himself. Peter was not willing to even... Say, Lord Jesus, I love you with the same kind of love, with agape love that you love me. But Jesus wanted to hear it. He wanted to hear it just like he wanted to hear Peter say, I love you, Jesus. He wants to hear you say it. I love you, Jesus. When you get up in the night and can't sleep and walk around the house, he wants to hear you say, hello, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're sweet, Jesus. Oh, what a God thou art. Jesus wanted Peter's love. He's still, how do I know he wants it today? Because he wanted it then. Because he wanted it then. He's the same to yesterday, today, and forever. He wants it now. If he wanted that from Peter, he wants it from me. And he wants it from you. He wants your faith and your love and your loyalty and your care. This same Jesus, which is up, taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go to heaven. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, 
today and forever. Let me say there's no better time to get saved than this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, maybe you're iffy about it. If I ask you if you died today where you'd spend eternity, you say, well, I'm about 50%, about 50 I may go to heaven or I'm 80% I may go to heaven. Brother, people that are born again know. People that are born from heaven know. Nothing as big as salvation is going to be an iffy deal. If I ask the crowd here this morning, how many of you have a driver's license? Most of you would raise your hand. Some of you old folks who've had it withdrawn would, would not. But you're still driving. But you know whether you got a driver's license or not. It's not, well, I, you know, I'm 50% sure I got a driver's license. Why is it when I ask people, do you know if you die, you go to heaven, they give me the, well, I, I hope so, preacher. I, I think so. Listen, there are, I, you've never been asked a more important question than that. When you die, not if you die, when you die, where are you going to spend eternity? You know you're going somewhere. The Spirit of God's already witnessed to you that you're, you, there's something beyond this life. Why don't you ask Jesus to save you? To come and make himself abide with you, and you abide with him. How do I know he'll do it? He's done it in the past. He's the same today as he was. He'll do it now. And he wants to, just like he wanted to save that first man, he wants to save you. Why don't you, at the time of invitation, let us know that you would like to talk to us about being saved. Come here. we got brother. we got folks in the front with all they're going to do is, is, is touch. If you're a lady, they'll put you with another lady. Go back one-to-one -one in the privacy of a room. Confidentiality. I'd like to tell you what it is to be saved and have your sins forgiven. Why don't you meet Jesus this morning? The same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, help us. May Father use the preaching of the Bible this morning. May the Word of God go forth in power. May people be saved. We could have some folks in this room that have held back on God because they just don't think he's able to do it. But he is, and he's willing to do it. Why do I know that? He was in the past. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help them to get that. Help them to go home with that. Father, encourage us this morning. Encourage us, whatever lies ahead of us. Encourage us that we serve a God that has not reduced his power has not reduced his ability to influence, has not reduced his ability to save, has not reduced his ability to change. Father, help us that God can change us like he changed Peter, like he changed the apostle John. They can change us. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.